Today we are continuing our kind of long march through the Gospel of St. Mark. So in our church's three-year cycle of readings, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then the fourth Gospel, John, is sort of interspersed interspersed into different parts of those three-year readings. We're in the second year of Mark, and there kind of is no rhyme or reason. We're just marching through the Gospel of Mark. And... uh, so we take those readings that we had today, and then we could look at that and say, okay, it's about authority, it's about maybe demonic influences, etc. Match that up with the Old Testament reading we hear about prophets, etc. So we've got all this stuff that kind of deals with authority given by God. I'm not going to deal with that at all. I'm going to go with the second reading today. And the second reading has nothing to do, really, with the first, or the first reading or the gospel. It's about anxiety. It's about anxiety, because a lot of people deal with anxiety, and I, and I want to address that. Here the Holy Spirit is speaking through St. Paul, and he says this, Brothers and sisters, I should like you to be free of anxieties. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided goes on to say the same thing about a woman. Unmarried woman is focused on God and is at peace. A married woman is focused on her husband and the world, and she's divided and not at peace. Well, of course, we know that that's not always the case. But he's setting this up, and he's saying, in effect, that if you focus on God, you can have peace. And if you focus on the world, it'll never be there. You just will not get this peace that we all want. Backing up a little bit, kind of begs this question, well, where does anxiety come from? So I was sort of thinking about this. This is, I didn't look it up or anything. This is just me just putting together this homily and thinking. I think it comes from losing something, or the fear of losing something, or the fear of not gaining something, which another way of saying that is the fear of uh, losing something that we want. But I think it all keeps coming back to losing something and the fear of that. So, we're only born with three fears. The fear of falling, the fear of loud noises, and the fear of separation from the mother. Those are the three instinctual fears of a newborn baby. So, we already have this fear of loss of the one who's the most important in our life, the mother. And then, as life goes on, anxieties increase. More and more fears set in. So when we're looking at anxiety or stress, we're looking at anxiety or stress around our work, whether we're going to be able to keep it together, it's going to unfold on or unravel and fall apart, and we're not going to be able to maintain it, we're going to lose the order or lose our ability to do what we want to do, maybe even lose our job, lose money, uh, lose the happiness and the well-being of a loved one, so we worry about our children or our spouse because we're worried about them losing their happiness or their well-being, and that causes us anxiety. We're worried or anxious about our health, and we're ultimately worried about life itself, death, and what comes after. A lot of people in our time, though, really aren't that worried about death and what comes after. And that's really sad, because remember, fear of the Lord is the first stage of wisdom. That's where a relationship with God begins is understanding who he is and respecting who he is and then who we are and how much we depend upon him for what comes after death. Do any of us worry about losing God, though? 
Is there any anxiety or distress in our world about losing God? Not if we pay any attention to the news or what anyone on TV in any venue ever talks about. It's always just anxiety or stress is about the world coming to an end because of global warming or because women don't have reproductive rights to choose to kill their babies or because of, uh, I don't know, we don't all have the same income and so there's not equality or that we might be abusing people who want to marry somebody that God doesn't want them to marry, etc. So we've got all these anxieties about things that have nothing to do with God. In fact, anxious about things that would take us very far away from God. What if we were anxious about pleasing God? What if we were actually worried about our relationship with God? And what if there was enough anxiety there to compel us to do something about it? Just as we're worried about our future, our income, or our health, or whatever, and then there's enough anxiety to compel us to do something about it. Imagine if, by the grace of God, there was enough anxiety and worry about losing God and maybe even losing eternity with God that we would actually do something about it. They would actually spur us on to change some aspect of our life. Then that would be a super good thing. A super good thing. So we're all born, I think, with the instinct to save the world. We want to save the world. That's why when you go into middle school projects about, you know, what, write a five-page report. For, so for a middle schooler writing a five-pager, let's say a two-pager, that's a huge deal for a middle schooler to write a two-page report on something. You'll see, you know, where they're focused on global warming or they're focused on whatever they're kind of hearing from their parents kind of thing. But there's the sense that we need to save the world. It's just kind of built into us. Little children love superheroes, not just because they've got superpowers to do cool things and they fight good against evil, but superheroes save the world. Superman has saved the world how many times? Batman has saved the world how many times? There's within every one of us this desire to save because if everything's going to fall apart, we're filled with anxiety and fear of that. But really the only one who can save is God. But for little kids, they think it's superheroes that save. And for adults, they think it's politics that save. That's why we're so wrapped up in politics and the powers of Washington, D.C. and Congress or the courts or whatever. We see the power to save is coming through man and politics and government, etc., But as we look through the long history of the human race, we see civilization after civilization collapsing in on itself because it didn't understand where the true power to save came from. It comes from God. And when we lose that, we ultimately lose everything. We lose everything. Next question. Where does peace come from? If we know now where anxiety comes from, where does peace come from? And the answer is pretty obvious. It comes from heaven. Jesus says to his disciples, I give you peace that the world cannot give. I give you peace that the world cannot give. 
In fact, the first words of Jesus to the disciples after his resurrection from the dead was appearing in that upper room. And, and they're all scared, like, oh, we're in trouble. We abandoned him. In the moment of his need, he was arrested in the garden. We all ran from him. And Peter, even the first pope, said, I don't even know who he is to people. They're scared, and there he is appearing. And they're like, what are you going to do to us? And Jesus' first words were, peace be with you. You see, Jesus is God. Now, if we really understand, well, who's God? Wow, well, God is the infinite being. No, time doesn't bind him at all. He created time. No beginning and no ending. He created time and space. Infinitely powerful, infinitely good, infinitely knowledgeable, infinitely loving, etc. So when Jesus appears to the disciples and says, peace be with you, It's infinity that appears before them and says, infinity grants you peace. There's nothing in finite world that can compete with infinite God who created finite world. See, our real peace comes from being united to the infinitely good God. And when we are, there's peace. As I read through the lives of the saints, and I've read through a lot of the lives of the saints, it's one of the things that I truly enjoy doing, and I recommend it to all of you, is to keep picking up biographies of saints. Not the chintzy little ones, but the big, thick, scary ones. You know, pick those up and read them. And believe me, when you get to the end of it, you'll regret that you ever got to the end of it. They're so nourishing and life-giving, it's amazing. But as I read through that... They all at some point stop worrying. They they stop worrying about their reputation. What did they say about me? Oh no, that's terrible. What did they say about me? They don't care anymore. They don't worry about food or money or shelter or even their lives. They reach this point at which they realize, I've given my life completely to God. And I've got nothing to worry about. So even if they, the world, take my life from me, it's okay. I go straight into heaven where I have life infinitely better than this world. You cannot take my peace away because you never gave it to me to begin with. God gives peace. But we don't see that. We're so focused on what's what's happening on social media or on on cable news or or whatever is going on in the world kind of thing that we don't realize where our peace really comes from. And it comes from God. It comes from God. Imagine being at peace with life, even if it wasn't a good life. Prisoners can be at peace. The saints, I mean, Felicity and Perpetua and and all those young maidens in the early church who were killed because they wouldn't marry some guy that their dad had arranged. And there's probably a list of literally hundreds of those girls. They'd be anywhere from age 12 to 16, let's say. And they die martyrs. And and how they'll even go into the arena and be eaten by a lion. Perpetua had already been, like, attacked by a lion and maybe, like, her arm torn off. And she was in such peace with the whole thing that, that uh, she said, well, when are they going to release the lions? And one of those being martyred with her said, they already have. Look at your arm. The world never gave you your peace. 
all it can do is take it away. It's God who gives it to you. And it's God, if we remain united to Him, where we can keep it. Place God first in your life. Place Jesus first in your life. And you'll find peace being restored to you. Tune out the world. Accept what you need to know, which is probably much less than what you think you need to know. And then focus on God, living the precepts. Seven precepts, which we should all just have memorized. Attend Mass every Sunday and the Holy Days of Obligation. Go to confession at least once a year. Receive communion in a state of grace at least once a year. That's why we go to confession at least once a year. Observe the church's laws on marriage. Evangelize. Support the church. The time, talent, treasure. Observe the church's laws on fasting and abstinence. Was that all seven? Something like that. Pray daily. Pray daily. I'm in Exodus 90, which has been super, super helpful for me. Self-restraint is really, really good. It's super good and super important. Deny yourself. It's okay. Deny yourself the sweets. Deny yourself the snacks. Deny yourself a warm shower from time to time. Deny yourself. It's amazing what that will do. Fast from time to time. Yeah, I know it's hard, but you can survive. You will not die. Unless you have diabetes or something, then modify it. Live simply. Live simply. Have daily spiritual reading. Share your faith with other people. You'll find a peace enters into your life that the world can't give. A peace that enters your life that the world cannot take away.